guys, welcome to uh, Synergy, the the new the next normal uh, part two. Uh, this is uh, a second of a three part uh, effort to try to look at what it means to communicate and be the church in the the next normal, implying I guess Tim there will be more than one normal on its way. But anyway, uh, before we start, I pulled up on our screen a picture of a baptism service, one picture of many, I just want to show one, of our Russian-speaking congregation that meets in our building. Uh, the pastor is Slava Kovalenko to the right. I think it's one of his members to the left, and in the middle is one of four new believers that were baptized this Sunday at Camp Deer Park, which is 80 miles north of New York City. So our Russian congregation uh, traveled uh, to Camp Deer Park for this service and baptized four new believers. Interesting that Slava told me they were all discipled online uh, or through this uh, shutdown or lockdown, whatever we've got going. And they used uh, biblical texts and other things to bring these four new believers to uh, this place of commitment. The, uh, the families of these uh, who were baptized are all in former Soviet republics like Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan and other places. And their families have also been impacted by the by the COVID nineteen, so it's kind of a kind of an interesting connection here. So I just wanted to thank God for Slava, and uh, the Slavic Baptist Church and their uh, their meeting and their baptism service uh, this past Sunday. It's really exciting to see that, and look forward to meeting these new these new believers. So, welcome to Synergy. I'm going to pray and turn it over to Tim uh, Newsbomber and have our. Uh, our training time with, uh, with Mark McGrath. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for this uh, evidence of new life that the church is not uh, shut down, just the building is closed, but uh, people's hearts are remain open. And thank you for Slava and his wife, Olga, and these new believers that were baptized on Sunday. We're thankful for the reports we hear of connection and also, uh, curiosity enable our churches to reach more, more, even more people through this time. And in, in Jesus name, we pray. Amen. Tim, take it away. Awesome. Hey, thank you guys uh, for joining us. Uh, this, uh, this synergy I'm, I'm really excited about. If you guys were there uh, for the last one, it really uh, piggybacks well off of that. And, uh, you know, I, I think probably most of us had the same experience. If, if you go back uh, and, and if you had seminary in a preaching class, at least my class was all about uh, preparation and about studying, which was great, and uh, very, very little on on sermon delivery other than actually practicing it. So already, I think there was a gap in our education when it came to that. But then we had the pandemic hit, and many of us, at least I'll speak for myself, for the first time, were in front of a camera instead of a congregation, and you think, okay, how hard could that be? And I think a lot of us learned how hard that can be. Like you're not making eye contact, you're not getting immediate feedback, uh, all those things. And so it's, it's a different uh, skill set. And so uh, for a while now, I've like, you know, I, I knew, I was like, there's one person in my life that I know would be perfect uh, to talk about this. And it's uh, uh, my friend and mentor, Mark McGrath. Mark, uh, just so you know, uh, travels the world and has trained um, thousands and thousands of people in uh, communication mainly in the healthcare industry, but pastors as well. And so um, he, uh, he has a, a, a God-given skill set that he really has a passion uh, 
to share with others. And so I, this one's been on my mind for a while. And just so you know, right before the pandemic hit, we had actually scheduled Mark to do an in-person uh, synergy on communication. And uh, the hope, right, Mark, is at some point to get back to that and to do that and to maybe uh, even create, uh, you know, some training stuff uh, for pastors that are interested in, in growing in uh, communication skills. And so um, I'm excited for you to get maybe a taste of that uh, today. And so I'm going to shut my mouth now so Mark can have as much time as possible. So uh, Mark, thank you and uh, take it away. Well, thank you, Tim. And uh, thank you, George, and, and the rest of you for, uh, firstly, for inviting me. And then secondly, for actually showing up. I realize that uh, even though for many of us, there's not a lot of places to go <laughs> right now, uh, your time manages to be filled. And I appreciate your taking the time to be with us, uh, be with me and, and hear from me today. So let me take a few moments and I'm going to share my screen with you and walk through some content. Okay. So what I want to talk to you today about are the top 10 tips for preaching online. Uh, that sounds pretty bold and, uh, and, and maybe even aggressive, but let's take a shot at it. So before I do that, and uh, I'd like to hear from you. So tell me quickly or put it in a chat if you don't mind, because we'll, we'll work through the chat as much as we possibly can. Tell me, when compared to the traditional face-to-face -face sermon that you're used to preaching, what do you find most challenging when you are moving over to the virtual environment? So take a look at these things, navigating the technology part of it, navigating less audience feedback, specifically not being able to read people's faces. Uh, how do you keep the audience engaged when this is happening? or just getting enough experience so that you begin to feel comfortable in this environment. So in the chat, please chat to everyone uh, and tell me what do you find most challenging? Do I hear anybody chatting? Okay. Steve. Uh, Steve, uh, thanks. All right, hear that. Engaging the audience engagement with what I'm sharing or facilitating, right? So you're not exactly sure what's going on. Uh, and then uh, from PCC, our church when in person is very reactive and it gives feedback to not have that has been incredibly awkward. That's right. You're used to it. And, and if you watch the late night uh, shows, right, the comedians, if you're as uh, negligent in life as I am, and you're up watching them, and then they and they tell jokes with no audience. It feels weird, right? Uh, Dave, you have a limited sense of you sense that limited sense of feedback, right? But that's the reality that we are in. Thanks for the for your feedback. Uh, that's the reality that we're in. Uh, you would say again, uh, George. Uh, again, less feedback. That's where we are. So let's let's take a look at this. Let's keep moving. I just want to give you, you know, uh, I'm an expert on communications, right? You know what an expert is. 
X is the unknown factor and a spurt is a drip under pressure. So I qualify, I am some unknown drip under pressure here. But I want you to know that I have been working in these arenas for a long time, probably before some of you were born. My, I was ordained in 1975, so I'm certain there may be one or two of you on board here that weren't alive yet. I've been a church planting pastor. I planted churches in New York, New Jersey, and Great Britain. Uh, I train, I've trained and installed about eight or nine pastors over the years. Uh, I, as Tim said, I do a lot of speaking. I'm used to the church world. When I first started pastoring, you know, it was a three sermon a week gig. Uh, we were bold and radical and eliminated the Sunday night service so that it got down to two messages a week. And so preaching was a very real important part of our task. And then on top of that, the first church I started was a very poor urban church with people who were not educated. In fact, our discipleship program for new believers began with teaching the alphabet because we tried teaching adults to read, but they didn't even have enough foundation of what the alphabet was to teach them reading. We had to actually start back at reading. And so it was a differently educated audience than I was used to communicating to. So I had to figure out how to communicate, how to preach to people who couldn't follow me in the Bible because they didn't, A, didn't have them, and B, couldn't read. So preaching became a very important passion of mine. How to communicate to people became out of necessity, I confess, uh, it became a really important passion of mine. After 25 years as a pastor, I decided to take a bit of a sabbatical that's lasted 20 years. Uh, and so I, I began a company called McGrath Communications Group, where I carried out that passion to, to communicate, to help people communicate. I do that now, as Tim said, mostly in the healthcare scene, uh, healthcare professionals, clinicians, uh, in presenting, not communicating, because uh, nobody wants to pay doctors to talk to patients better, unfortunately, but they're willing to pay to get help doctors or other healthcare professionals, clinicians and non, to present medical data. And so I help, help them develop strategies for presenting medical data. And I do that both in training, live, face-to-face, -face, live virtual, and, and as well as a personal coaching. So that's been my world. There's my email address. Uh, you'll see it again at the end if you want to contact me or if you have uh, anything else you'd like to talk about. Uh, that's how to get hold of me. But that's a little bit about me. That's my expert, uh, unknown drip under pressure. So here's what we're going to cover today. I want to talk about three things. Firstly, the, the importance of creating new defaults. Look, most of us learn to communicate in general and to preach specifically in face-to-face -face environments. 
And in that context, we develop our defaults. We, when we lose the audience's attention, we have a default. When we are trying to motivate, we have defaults that we use to motivate. When we're seeking to educate or impart a concept uh, that is maybe complex, we have developed communication defaults but we developed them in the face-to-face -face arena. Some of those will overlap with a virtual environment, but some of them are different. And so my first thing I want to cover with you today is to figure out how to develop new defaults. The second thing I want to cover with you, if you scroll down to point number two, uh, is the five steps to effective planning and preparing for online meetings and sermons. Now, now look, I'm not going to tell you how to study the Bible. I am assuming that you do your preparation of content in advance. Uh, you have your own system that works for you, and this is not where I want to navigate through that conversation. But what I want to do with you is take you through the time from when you are trying to take everything that you have studied and put it into a message, put it into uh, that message into a meeting. So I want to talk about five things to do. Five of the 10 tips will be prior to your being online. And then the last five things that we'll cover are what do you do when you actually get there? What are the five best things you could do to increase your impact when you are uh, virtually live? All right, so that's where we're going to go today. So let me start, Willie, if, if I can. So the world of preaching, the world we all know, the world we're used to living in, right? The world, whatever, wherever you're meeting, whether you're meeting in a standard uh, congregational church building, or if you're meeting in a rented space that you've converted, or you're still rent meeting in somebody's home, uh, your own or somebody else's, we've got a sense of what preaching is. That world, folks, is changing. COVID has made that different. This is a church meeting in COVID. Everybody is social distanced, and that's just a different world. And a high percentage, even if you've returned to some segment of live, a high percentage of who you are communicating with is online. And so we have to realize that preachers need to change too, right? We need to change. When you're face-to-face -face preaching, I'm just going to run through this quickly because you know this already. When you're standing up and the congregation is looking at you, you take the lead role, right? You're the center of attention. They look at you, even if little junior is squirming in the seat next to them or somebody's coughing or drinking coffee two people away. Essentially, you are the focus of attention. The whole room is paying attention to you, right? And so it's in that lead role that you get your feedback. You see people's faces. You see, even though I think 
Many times the congregation thinks they, they're invisible. You see who's picking their nose, who's checking their phone, who's doing what. You see it all, right? And that provides you a certain level of feedback. Now, that feedback is both on a conscious and a subconscious level. We're not always aware of the subconscious feedback that is happening, but we are, our brains are gathering feedback on a subconscious level. Out of the periphery of your vision, you're, you're observing people's feet move and you're drawing conclusions out of all of that feedback. And on top of that, you are in full view of the audience. You scratch your cheek, they all watch. You tuck with your, play with your shirt, they all watch. You are in full feedback. In live face-to-face -face environments, these are the realities we are used to. And that's different in a virtual environment. In a virtual environment, you share the lead with technology and you share the lead with whatever is going on in their background. I am sharing the lead right now with your email and with your uh, to-do list and with your spouse or friend coming in with a cup of coffee. I share that lead with wherever you are and with whatever you are doing. You, I don't own your attention. I have to compete for it, right? And I get limited feedback from you. What you, I can see some things in the box of visual uh, reality. I don't see what your feet are doing. I don't see what your hands are doing. I notice that you look down. I don't know if you're checking your email on your phone. I have no idea. I get limited feedback. And on top of that, on top of that, my peripheral brain is getting no feedback. And that makes my brain and yours when you are presenting online, that makes it crazy because it's wanting to create, find more feedback. Uh, that's why they call it Zoom fatigue sometimes. If you spend your day on Zoom meetings, you are much more tired than if you spent your day in face-to-face -face meetings because your brain is trying to get the peripheral feedback that it would normally be used to in a face-to-face -face environment, but it can't get it and it keeps trying. And of course, obviously you can't see me. You don't know I got a suit on, right? You don't know that I've got my jeans and I'm barefoot underneath. I have a Zoom suit, right? If I stand up, you realize that's not a suit at all. That's just jeans. Can you get there? Yeah, it's my jeans, right? You don't know. You have a limited visual. You don't know that I've got my grapefruit juice here and I've got a bunch of stuff here. You don't have any idea. You see a limited amount. And that creates a different set of environment for us. So let's quickly run through that. So we're going to do breakouts. Uh, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to put a few of you in to uh, a breakout room. I'm going to give you, we're going to do this twice today. And the first one, I'm going to give you five minutes. So it's going to seem short, but that's luxury. I'm not even going to give you three the next time. Uh, I'm going to give you five minutes because it's the first time and I, you, you're going to have to meet each other. But I want you to identify to yourselves as a group. You'll be, there'll be a group of you. It'll be maybe five or six in a group. 
I want you to identify to yourselves three ways. I want you to list three ways that your preaching mindset or your default reactions have changed or been challenged in the last five months. Give me three and then select a spokesperson to be able to feed back to the whole group when we come back together again. So does everybody know what I'm gonna ask you to do? Take a few minutes, three ways, your preaching mindset or your default approach has been challenged or changed in the last three months. What's different now? Welcome back, everybody. We'll give us a few seconds to come back together again. All right, quickly, can somebody summarize what we've seen? What are the, are the three best or biggest or most impactful ways we've had to change, either the mindset or our defaults? Quickly, let's just quickly get them out there. Somebody unmute your mic and talk away. Gesture, we make too many movements with our body, with your hands. Right, and what did that, how, so you have to cut down hand movements? Go ahead. All right. Why does that happen? Well, how do you realize that? Because it's, it's something we're not accustomed to. You have to adjust to it. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's a default. And you realize it looks different when you're seeing it on screen. Absolutely. What else did we, what else was changed? Yeah, some of the biggest ones in ours, um, not realizing the need for feedback or like how much we relied on feedback from our congregation to yeah and timing like normally what's the right length of an online message is it the same as always is it shorter because people are have more distractions right um eye contact is another one because the faces are below the camera do you look yeah. in the yeah. camera do you look at the screen both ways are going to feel disconnected in some way that's um, absolutely right absolutely Anything else? Yeah, our group had some good uh, observations. Uh, one of them, and I'm just kind of, kind of trying to paraphrase some of what I heard, but uh, sort of a lack of spirit flow, kind of the disjointedness of the different elements, um, uh, and, and and being able to enter into a worshipful spirit in the the midst of kind of the clunkiness of that, um, kind of maybe related to that. It's just kind of the mercenary economy of trying to be super, super efficient uh, with the time, knowing how distractible people are. Um, and then uh, uh, the second one was kind of the tools of engagement are uh, limited. Uh, there's yeah. sort of a flatness with a medium. And so um, uh, anyway, it's a great word, flatness, uh, yeah. that, that really just kind of makes it difficult to fully recreate the worship environment. And then the third one uh, was actually strength. Um, more connectivity with uh, a broader circle of leaders um, yeah. through that medium was one of the guys observed. Yeah, very good. Thanks, Steve. Anything else? Uh, we we discussed that because attention span is less online, it's forced me to slim down my sermons, remove material, um, preach shorter than I was before, yeah. which yeah. probably could be a good thing. Yeah, I think it could be both, right, Todd? I mean, it could be, you know, like, shoot, I'm not getting to say what some things that I probably should say or what was one message now may need to be two. Uh, but it can be, it can cut both ways. All right. 
quickly, let's move on. I know I've got about 15, 20 minutes left. I want to keep moving. I'm going to cover 10 things quickly. You know what? Uh, those of you who, who know me know I, I am the father of three daughters, uh, and I'm an old man. So the youngest of my daughters, the youngest is 33 years old. So uh, it's a very different ballgame. But when my, and it's a statistic, it's a, a, a true American statistic that the average U.S. female speaks 50,000 words a day, and the average U.S. male speaks 25,000 words a day, right? <laughs> that's just a statistic. That's, uh, and that's, nothing is ever true for everybody. There are exceptions, et cetera. We all, we're all big boys and girls. We get that. But in my home, there were a lot of words per cubic minute, right? There, uh, sitting at the dinner table, and we were a family that really placed a high priority on dinner times together, whether that meant we ate at 9 p.m. or 4 p.m. based on everybody's schedule. We, we really worked very hard to make sure everybody was at the table together. And so there were a lot of words per cubic minute. And so when we needed to get things going. I had a, a McGrath family saying, and it went like this, big bites, big swallows, let's go. Meaning don't talk, eat, let's get out of here. So this is a big bites, big swallow review of those 10 things. All right. Hey, maybe I can convince you to bring me back. Maybe you'd be glad I never am. But let's quickly run through these 10 things quickly in big bites, big swallow mode, all right? So planning for the message, quickly. Here's the first five are in this planning stage. First one is check your technology. And the technology is in two categories, the setting and the software. We need to pay attention to both, right? In the setting, there's a whole bunch of things. Beginning in the upper right-hand corner, you see the camera, lights, sound, a plan B, I have my iPad right here, right? If something goes wrong, I have my iPad with my uh, Zoom meeting ready and my slides already loaded so that if my computer doesn't work, I can go to my iPad and work. I have a plan B for something if it goes wrong. Always have a plan B, even if it's a pain in the neck and you've got sound people who do a really good job, you never know what could go wrong. Uh, your background. You will notice I have a, a, a background behind me. That's because I'm in my home office, which is a very small office, and it's filled with stuff. I hide the stuff by the background. Pay attention to your background, right? Statistically, people look, when they get online, they first look for faces, and then they next look at background. So if you have a uh, overhead fan spinning above your head. People are going to see you as a helicopter. Or if you've got light that shines behind you, <clears throat> excuse me, they're going to see that. So they pay attention to your background. The goal is that your background is not distracting. It's not giving people something else to think yeah. about. Oh, he's reading what book? Right. Uh, and then you, also your internet. Uh, 
I have, I work off Wi-Fi. But when I'm doing a teleconference or a web conference, I plug in a Ethernet cable to my computer that cuts a wire straight across my room. Uh, and I, I have Ethernet there because you need good solid uh, level of Internet. I shut off all of my applications that might consume Internet speed, uh, email, uh, anything that is going to connect with a browser. I've shut that down. That's my setting. The software, you have to learn to do it. If you're using Zoom or, or another provider, play with the software, right? What's the setup? How will you practice? And make sure you coordinate with your team or with your, your co-sponsors. If you're doing a, like this, a, a meeting with several of us here, how are we going to make sure that that all works? Make sure you're online early to make sure that that happens. All right. So for, tip number one is pay attention to your technology. Tip number two. Hang on. Yep. Question. Oh. Yes or no? I think somebody's just not muted. All right. Yep. All right. Um, set, tip number two. This is for preachers. It's for medical professionals. It's for scientists. It's for people talking to the PTO. Clarify your outcome before you start to preach. Answer this question. What do you want your audience to do, think, or believe differently as a result of your preaching? Most of us spend all our time concentrating on what we're going to say, figuring out cute ways to say it, plugging in illustrations, but we never take the time to answer ourselves, what, so what? When I'm finished, what do I want my audience to do? This is the number one failure of most communicators is they're just hoping it ends okay. They're making up the end as they go along. Even if they've prepared their conclusion, it doesn't have an outcome. What do you want your audience to do? Plan a clear outcome. I sometimes, for some of the messages, have two outcomes because I have an outcome if I feel like I'm really connecting well with the audience and I have a backup outcome. If this is what I'm going to try to do or call them to at the end if I feel like I haven't connected well. But I'm always trying to shoot for something very specific. Think about it. What's your outcome? You should be able to clarify and express your outcome before you stand up, you should be able to say that in one clear sentence. All right. Tip number three, build your story. Right. Most of us, when we went to preacher school, right, they get, you got to have a, an introduction, a body and an end. And that was it. Human brains are designed to pay attention to story. 
we want to go on a journey. If you're trying to compete with all the other things that are trying to connect with your audience's mind, what journey are you taking them on? What story are you telling that they can follow? We have the basics, beginning, middle, and end. I want to suggest that there are lots of other ways to think about story, but I want to think about five stages that correspond with that. The story has to start somewhere. The story has obstacles that need to be overcome. A journey that you take to overcome those obstacles. A resolution to the conflict. And then a sense of meaning. Every sermon you preach should walk your congregation through a story. Beginning where they are, what are they facing? What's the journey going to look like? What does resolving this journey look like and mean? And what does it mean in the end? So I want to unpack that quickly. I know this is complex, and I know I often hear people say, you tell a story. I say, what does that mean? Is that an illustration? No, your whole message, your entire sermon should track through a storyline. Now, I'm going to go through this quickly. I will make these slides available to you at the end. If you want them, you can email me. I will make them available, but I'm not, because I'm not going to be able to take as much time as I, as I would like to, to get this covered. But let's quickly, let me provide you some catalyst questions to get you thinking about the story that your sermon is telling. So let's start with the start, right? What are the questions? Does your story have a hero? Who's the main character? Uh, where does that journey start and what, why should the audience care about it? And you can read those things about the audience. This is what I want to tell you. We're preachers. We're Christians, right? We want Jesus to be the hero of the story. It's like every Sunday school lesson question is going to be Jesus is the answer, right? It's like the kid who said, what's, when this teacher said, what's gray and furry and walks on four legs? No answer. Has a bushy tail and it climbs in trees? No answer. Eats nuts and stores them for the fall? No answer. And finally, the teacher says, Johnny, what is that? And he says, well, it sounds like, I know the answer is Jesus, but it sounds like a squirrel. Because we're just so sure Jesus is supposed to be our hero. I want to suggest to you, if you want to engage your audience in a communication process, in your story, the audience should always be the hero. The, please excuse the pop or an old pop culture. I'm an old man. The story, the congregation should be Luke Skywalker. Jesus is Yoda. Don't make Jesus Skywalker. Make, allow the storyline to make Jesus be the guide who, when you follow him, you come on this journey. I know we want to defend him and we want to place him as highest above all, but in the human mind, the, the audience needs to know that they fit this journey. This is about them. This is about their life. This is about their situation. So make the congregation the hero of the story. They're the main character. 
Where are they at the beginning of this journey? What are the issues they face? What is important to them? Why should they care about this? Every good Jewish, they used to joke because my introductions to my sermon took 20 minutes because I figured if I didn't get my congregation in the story, it didn't matter where the story ended. They didn't come with me. Get them in the story. Second step, what are the obstacles they face? Now, this is, makes common sense. You know this, right? Um, what keeps them from reaching the destination they want? Is there a bad guy? Is sin the bad guy? Is the devil a bad guy? Is moral conflict? Is internal conflict? What's the struggle? Every good story has a struggle. What's your congregation's struggle when it comes to this? If you're talking about prayer, what's the struggle they face with prayer? Who's the bad guy? But the story has to face obstacles. The story, main character has to go on a journey. How do you get from where you are to where you want to be? How does this story end? How do I make that journey? Walk me through the process. How does it get resolved? What does resolution look like? Right? How did it happen? I think sometimes in preacher ease, we're just so concerned to make Jesus look good that we don't actually unpack the, what the resolution looks like. And there's a step. I just prayed and it all got better. Yeah, but no, but you struggled for three months afterwards. What did that struggle look like? Bring people through the story. And then what does that, all that mean? So what? What does it mean? What does it mean to your audience if they get there? What will it mean to the church if we get there? What will it mean? All sermons, take your congregation on a journey every week. What's the journey you are taking your people on when you preach? All right? Put all that together. All right? What's the journey? Number four, before, again, this is all pre, identify your pivotal points. Adults, Adults can only remember two or three things from any given message they hear, right? If you have seven points, they're not getting it. What are the few things that are essential? Now, uh, I think it was Todd, you said before that, you know, and when you're online now, uh, you have to cut back, right? So you look at your content and you say, what's essential and what's not essential? What do they need to know versus what would be nice if they knew? And so you make those decisions based on the outcome you're trying to reach, the story you are telling, and what they need to know to make that journey. What are the essential spots in this journey? We're, I'm going to pass this, but what I would like you to do when you're working together or when you're at home alone, rather, is think about this. How do you take the points you want to make? And I know I'm, a, I'm addicted to three points that are all either alliterative or they, uh, you know, they rhyme or they spell something. I'm addicted to it. I have preacheritis. Uh, I, I, and so I, I love that. 
but I have to figure out how do those pivotal points fit my story flow? How do I weave them as mountaintops in my journey that are the journey that I'm taking my congregation on? All right. Tip number five, plan your engagement strategies. You have to build in opportunities for the audience to get involved. Those, those strategies can be technological, they could be intellectual, or they can be practical. Take a look at those lists. How can you do that? Ay, Dios mío. Okay. Think that through and plan several throughout your presentation, whether that's a, a break in the visual so that you now show a video or something else. How are you going to plan so that your audience stays engaged? The average adult can pay attention for about 10 minutes. After 10 minutes, and it may be less, after 10 minutes, their brain has to disengage and come back later or not. The, the engagement strategies, the changes, help your audience do that. How will you give them the opportunities to stay engaged? All right? So here's what I want to do quickly. What time is it? I, I'm going to move on quickly. Just a few last things I want to hit when you deliver your message. Always remember to start strong. I say give them the what, give them a why, give them a chance, and then get them started. Tell them in a virtual environment what they're going to cover, what's going to be there. Tell them why you're going to do this. What's the, where is it going to fit? Give them a chance to react, right? Give them a chance. That's why we did the poll question very early. And then just get them started on the journey. Oftentimes when we're preaching, we feel we can start off slow, right? We kind of come in and we're kind of, you know, kind of laid back and, you know, kind of warming up the group. And then eventually we're going to get rolling and really turn it on. That's a default face-to-face, uh, -face, but you can't afford that virtual. You got it. Start strong. Give them what you're going to cover. Tell them why it's going to be important to them. Give them a chance to get involved and then get them started. The, the introduction is start. All right. Show more, explain more. What do I mean by that? Uh, again, it's all back to the visual. The audience sees what's on the screen. They capture that relatively quickly. But if nothing changes, they look away. So you need to show more. The, the, we used to say when you're speaking publicly face-to-face, -face, less visual is better. There's less slides. In a virtual environment, more slides are better because you need to keep the visual focus changing. So show more. And then explain more. They can't see you, you can't see what I'm doing when I go over here. 
So I have to explain what I'm doing. You can't see what I'm doing when I go to share my screen. So I tell you what I'm doing. It's a way to make up for the fact that I don't have the same visual connection. You can't see me. So that leaves whole chunks blank. I've got to explain more. See more, show more, explain more. Think of yourself as the guide, uh, not just the doer of it. Use your voice. Use your voice differently. There are three things with voice, pace, tone, and animation. How fast you talk. Most people in the virtual environment start talking faster. They try to compensate for the lack of feedback. And so your brain tells you you're losing people. So you quicken the pace. And it's hard to listen to people who are talking too fast. Slow down. It is the number one behavioral thing we do. Slow down, right? Uh, think about the tone of what you're doing. Uh, you can't afford that flat tone, monotoned. You've got to be able to navigate that. How are you talking to people? Is it, is it uh, fast paced? Is it loud? Is it softer? Is it slower? Figure that tone into it you, and change it up so that the audience is paying attention differently and animate your voice. General rule of thumb. When you are educating, you talk slower and lower. When you are motivating, you can talk faster and louder. General rule of thumb, change the pace, change the tone, add animation, educate, slower, lower. Motivate, louder, faster. And you're doing both of those in any given sermon. You're educating and you're motivating. Pay attention to what you're doing and let your voice follow through with you. Number nine, focus on the camera. There's only one audience member in a virtual presentation, and that's the one right in front of you. We talked about in our, what challenges we face, the change of eye contact. It requires discipline. I will say this, when you are talking, you look at the camera. When you are listening or reviewing your screen, stop talking. If you are a person who needs to read their message, right? So you're a manuscript preacher, that adds challenge to you. I'm going to suggest that if you're a, a preacher that reads their script, invest $100 and get a decent teleprompter that'll work off your phone or your iPad so that you can look at the camera and read your manuscript. Because the audience doesn't want to watch 40 minutes or 20 minutes of somebody doing this. So folks, it's really important to be here. I think this is really exciting. And there's some things that God really wants to do with us and blah, blah, blah. And I never look at you. It's a discipline. I, I want to look at my screen here. I want to see your faces. I want to see my slides. But I discipline myself as best I can 
talk to the camera, listen to the screen. Always you have one audience member talk to the camera. My camera is not at the top of my monitor. It's, it's on a tripod right in front of me, right? In the middle of my screen. It's annoying as all get out. It blocks chunks of my screen off. I have to discipline myself not to ignore it. Talk right to the camera. That's tip number nine. Number 10, reinforce your key slides, your key ideas. This is what I want to tell you. Your audience will remember about 10% of what you say. Scary, right? 10%. Make sure the 10% they remember is the 10% you want them to remember. By reinforcing your key ideas over and over again. We Look, I've been a preacher. I've been a pastor, a church planter. Back in the 70s, when I first started this, I used to think as a pastor that I could bring my congregation into about two things a year, that we could, we could change as a congregation about twice, two things a year. Today, it's about one thing every year and a half because we have so much more competition for the heart space and the mind space and the calendar space of our congregation. So we cannot afford to be fuzzy when it comes to what we need them to see and do. So reinforce constantly your key ideas. Be content to, if you're vision casting, say it over and over again. Uh, if you've got one message with two or three points, just keep making sure the audience gets it because they're only going to remember 10%. All right? Those are the top 10 things for preaching. Beforehand, beginning there on the left with check your technology, down to the bottom, plan how you're going to engage them. During, up on the right, start strong, down all the way to reinforce key ideas. So here's what I'd like you to do in your chat box. Tell me, of these 10, which one of these would make the biggest impact on your next message? Which one of these 10 areas, if you concentrated on, would make the biggest impact on your presentation? Put it in the chat box, please. You're just going to give you a minute or two. Everybody think about it. What would you focus on? that would make the biggest impact on your preaching. Anybody? All right, someone, uh, I manuscript my messages and I just got a teleprompter, but I've been too scared to try it. Maybe it's time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Tim. To focus on the camera. Yeah. Talk to the people. Someone else. Hard to choose. Uh, show more and explaining more. I, I, I agree. That's a default. We don't do it live because people see it.
But when we're, when we don't do it face to face because people see it, but when we're virtual, we have to help them know what's going on or they're going to draw their own conclusions. Building the story flow. I'm telling you, that's hard work. That's hard work for many of us, myself included. So thank you, David. Yeah, even as a worship leader, Heather, even as a worship leader, thinking through your tone of voice, how do you use your voice? How do you put pauses in? When do you quicken the pace? When do you slow it down and quiet it down? Important. All right, folks, I know uh, we've done a lot and I'm running out of time, probably gone a few minutes more than I should. You could read this. Preaching as an art is changing. And we're going to have to change too. Preachers need to think about themselves as focused on communicating. And if you're focused on communicating, then you want to align your approach, what you do, how you, what you say, how you approach it. You want to align your methodology with what your audience needs in order to move from where they are to where God wants them to be. We are shepherds in the house of God. We lead our sheep to where God wants them to go. We do that, our biggest tool, not our only tool, but our biggest tool is our ability to communicate effectively. And that comes to focus in our preaching. All right, so what questions do you have? And by the way, there's my email address again, please uh, let me know. Uh, if you have any other questions or if you want a copy of the slides, I'd be glad to send them to you. Uh, yep. uh, thanks, Tim, for putting that up there. Yep. It's in the chat. I know this is being recorded. Do you have any questions for me? Mark, I typed one in that talked about having a clear outcome. You seem to think that many preachers don't do that. Why do you think that is? And why, why do you think we're particularly prone to be sloppy on that when that seems like we should be good at that? Uh, I think that's a great question, David. I, I think sometimes it's because we, we don't want to be too mechanistic. We really are a caring group by and large, and we want to help people. And we feel like somehow it might be manipulative or disingenuous, inauthentic to, to be moving people somewhere. But we have to understand that if you, what you hear doesn't change what you do, you didn't learn anything. And so we're oftentimes not wanting to play Holy Spirit. We're not wanting to be too pushy. We're, I think, sometimes insecure about if we say something, maybe they, they won't do it and we'll look bad. There's a whole host of internal and external factors. So I'm not saying be pushy. Look, I, I'm a very, very forceful personality sometimes, but, and I, but, I'm, but I'm 
insecure about being pushy. And so my insecurities can force me to back up a little bit. And, I, and I've got to say, no, if you are going to learn, it's going to change you. If it doesn't change you, you haven't learned. And the thing, look, I was fortunate. 1973, I was training for ministry. I got to attend a conference by a man who later became a, a role model and a minor mentor for me. And, and he spent a great deal of time showing from the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy, how good, solid Christianity was about behavior. And, and the goal is to become doers of the word, not hearers. And listen to me carefully, please. One of the reasons we have so many doers, hearers, is because we have so many speakers. Speakers beget hearers. And so if I can help my speaking move more towards doing, I feel like I'm serving my congregation better. Because if you don't do, but only hear, you're hurting yourself in the long run. So I think that's part of the reason why, David. And, and we don't know how. We, we, we're, like, we're a little nervous about it. Like, what does it mean to have a clear outcome? Well, you know, what do I want them to do with this information? Do I want them to believe something differently? Can I call them to faith? Do I want them to think something differently? Can I challenge their worldview? Do I want them to behave somewhere differently? Can I challenge and help them figure out how to apply that? So we start, in my mind, the best way is to always start with application and move towards principle rather than starting with principle and hope we get some application. Does that help, Dave? Thanks, I appreciate that. Any other questions? I know I've gone longer and I, I appreciate that. I promise you it would have been worse if I was live face to face. All right, Tim or George, whomever I need to turn this to, I will pause my sharing cool. and give it all back to you. Thank you, Mark. Um, that was obviously a packed uh, hour, and I, uh, I, think, I think we got a lot out of it. Uh, that's probably a trailer to a bigger movie that we hope to show you one day. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure when that will be, but we will uh, let you know. And um, I put uh, Mark's email address because I'm, I'm betting there are more questions. Um, and if you want to, you, I know Mark would be happy to... Uh, uh, to talk more. So there's his email address again, if you want to copy and paste that and uh, ask him and we will um, try to get the slides as well to folks that want it as well. So Mark, thank you uh, so much for that. George, anything else before we, uh, before we go? No, just tell them the, the next one, the next one coming up. Yep. Yep. So August 18th will be our next one in three weeks. And that will be our third uh, part of the series. And we're going to be hearing from um, not just one, but several different people about uh uh, how in the pandemic we can go from just not just surviving, but to really uh, thriving. So you'll be getting more information about that again. And in, in, uh, that'll be three weeks from today. So 
thank you guys uh, so much for joining us, Mark. Thanks again for uh, uh, that presentation. I know there's a lot, lot to chew on there. And I look forward to seeing you guys. Uh, the prayer time on Friday, George? Yes, 11 o'clock. Same awesome. login. Perfect. Great. Thank you guys so much. Have a great Thank day. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. George, God bless you. Thank you. Yeah, God bless.